The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. And then let's flip over to Luke chapter 2, and let's start in verse 25. Now there was a man, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see that before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Let's pray. Father, we um, come before you just thanking you for your love. I thank you for the words that we received today. I thank you for that reminder of your love to your creation, to your people, Lord. Man, Holy Spirit, help us to um, open up our hearts to what you're about to tell us today through Randall. Um, I pray that you guide us um, in our processing as we receive your word today. Uh, We thank you again for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, A. All right, good morning, everyone. And um, happy Advent. We are uh, wrapping up uh, this Advent series. And uh, this Friday, we're going to be having our Christmas Eve service. So again, would love to see you here at UC High School, 5 o'clock. Again, can we just praise God for a minute for that, that offering? Praise God for what he's doing. Here's the thing. A, a, lot, of, a lot of this, all of this is, is on faith, right? It's on faith. And so you're stepping in faith, trusting that God is going to provide. And so we're talking to all these different people and hearing the different needs that are here in our community and saying, yes, we want to help, but we don't quite have it yet. And just seeing how God, uh, through you, uh, provided, right? So just um, hearing uh, the stories of people saying, hey, I want to give, I want to be a part of this uh, has been so awesome. And, um, and I know uh, just many of you were there helping out Pastor Silas uh, yesterday uh, to hand out uh, some of the things that um, are really helping the, the, the refugees in, in our city. And so I praise God for that. Um, so we're in this Advent uh, season, and um, Advent, again, is just this Latin word for the arrival. Uh, we're thinking about the arrival of Jesus, Jesus coming, and, and really what that means. Um, it's not just an idea, but it's something that should change our lives. Um, and so we've been looking at Matthew 1 and the genealogy, and uh, really Jesus' lineage, and how Jesus, in many ways, comes from uh, a broken family. Uh, there are people within the lineage that uh, had a lot of issues, a lot of problems. And so uh, for us, 
we should be able to, in some way or another, relate to this. Um, and and uh, as we've been studying and as we've been thinking about Advent, um, I was thinking about this Dietrich Bonhoeffer quote that, that talks about Advent. Here's what he says. He says, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. Here's why I love the Bible. Here's why I love uh, reading about uh, the lineage of Jesus and where he comes from. It's this, that, that it doesn't cover up the blemishes. It doesn't cover up the hurts and pains that we go through in this world. There's a reason why Jesus had to come. And so for us, as we think about this, if you feel like today you're troubled in soul because you're anxious, you're worried, you're, you're, you're stressed out, you're, you're coming in. And let me just name it like this past year, like how many of us, uh, when we hear uh, the, the, the oh holy night, a weary world rejoices, do we resonate with that? Right? How many of us like, oh, a weary world? Yeah, I'm pretty weary. Coming to the end of 2021, like, I'm just naming it. Like, yeah, I feel weary, but could we rejoice? Is there something to rejoice in that's greater than, than what we see um, in our everyday lives? And the answer from that, this text is yes, there is. Um, so we've been in uh, Matthew 1, we're looking at verses 16 and 17 and Luke 2, 25 through 32. And the reason we're looking at, at two passages today is because um, this lineage can seem like very abstract to us. But how does that meet the real world, the world that, that Jesus was born into? Uh, we're going to see that in Luke 2. And the message today is shaped by a promise. Shaped by a promise. Now, recently, uh, my kids are at that age where they have their own little debit cards, right? <laughs> we, just to keep track of their funds, we gave them these little debit cards, and any money that they get, we'll put it on that debit card. And, and one of the things that we've talked about this year is that, you know, we want you to buy uh, presents for your siblings. Uh, we want you to make this a little bit more than just about yourself, right? And so we want you to be thinking about your siblings and buying some gifts for them. And, and there's this uh, amazing thing called Amazon. And so they get on Amazon and they start to look up different presents. And they're sh filling the shopping cart, right, full of, of different gifts. And, um, and the thing about Amazon is that, you know, it's pretty quick getting to you. Um, and so I was like, hey, yeah, just fill up the cart I'll purchase it on your uh, debit card, and then it will come, and, and you'll be able to wrap the gifts. Well, uh, they press purchase, they buy the gifts, and then uh, it comes to a point where they, they, they start to say, Dad, 10 minutes later, Dad, where is it? Like, we, we ordered, like, is it coming? Yeah, it's coming. It's promise. It's coming. I, I can see the tracking on here. It's coming. Um, and... They come back from school that day. Dad, is it here yet? No, it's not here. Like, you, you know. And so this went on for a couple of days because it actually took a couple of days for Amazon to get these purchases to us. Now, old school, we know two days is, is that's pretty fast. <laughs> that's pretty fast shipping here. My kids don't. They don't, they don't live in that world. And so they kept coming to me, Dad, 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 where is this? Are, are they coming through with this? Because I, I, 
I'm really upset with Amazon. And I said, guys, you just have to understand, it's going to be here. And so they go to school. They, in the middle of the day, the Amazon delivery guy brings all the stuff. I bring it all inside. And literal, like when they walk in, dad, is it here? Yes, it's here. And they walk over, they open it, and just joy, right? Just joy is coming from them. They're, they're so excited that it has finally come, but they're still asking, why didn't it come sooner? What, what's wrong with the process here? Because I was promised something, but it took a lot longer than I expected. And what we've seen is that God has promised something to Israel and ultimately to us that he would send his son. But what we don't understand is the, the anticipation and the waiting and the tension, right? Because it, it, for us, waiting and tension gets a little awkward. It was a little awkward for us this morning as we were waiting for the lyrics to get up on the screen because we were like, okay, is it going to get there? Is the Apple computer going to start and are we going to get it, be able to get this on time? I'm sure the Billy and the band were just really like, okay, this is way, way too long, right? This is, we're waiting way too long here. This is awkward. But what we see is that God always comes through on his promises. Always comes through on his promises. And that when he says, I'm going I'm to bring a, a, about redemption... That he's never late, but he's always perfect in his timing. And so throughout the scriptures, we see that God made this promise to his people that he would send a savior. We see it all the way back in Genesis, 13, or Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 15, uh, right after sin enters the world. He says, I'm going to send a savior. But there's a, there's a waiting period that happens. And so we talked about that last week. But today we're going to look at the promise that God makes and how in the midst of this promise, it shapes us and makes us who we were meant to be. See, how does God's promise shape his people? Well, our text again is Matthew 1, 16 through 17, Luke 2. Just to give a little background here, the genealogy covers the gamut of Jewish history. So what we need to know is that when it talks about Abraham in verse 2, that Abraham was lost. At that point, he was not seeking God in any way. If you read in Genesis chapter 11, you're going to find that he was actually, along with his family, worshiping other gods. That's where humanity was. Humanity was on a downward spiral, and it, there was no hope until we get to Genesis 12. And in Genesis 12, it says that God speaks to Abraham. He speaks to him. And that's where hope comes. And so we see that God continually keeps speaking again and again and again and again, and he's making this promise. It's the same promise he made back in Genesis chapter 3, that despite your sin, I'm going to send a Savior. And so we see that through the genealogy of Jesus, it points to this unified story of the fallenness of this world, but that God was going to send a Savior for his people. The way that D.A. Carson points it out, if you, if you were to look at the, the gamut of the Bible here and you were to, to wrap it all up here, uh, it would be wrapped up in creation, that God created all things good, that there was a fall that happens in, in Genesis 3, but that there was a redemption that was coming 
through Jesus. And we see it as Jesus steps in in the New Testament here. But also that there is a renewal that happens in our lives because of what Jesus has done and a restoration that's going to come again. Jesus is going to come again and there's going to be, he's going to make all things new. Now, as we look at the Bible, uh, Dane Ortland says this, while the Bible is not uniform, it is unified. The books of the Bible, like the organs of the body, look different, yet are interconnected. Underneath the undergirding of all of these is the motif of God's grace, his favor and love to the undeserving. Don't we see the grace of God in every book of the Bible? See, as we start to dig deeper into God's word, we're going to start to see that this story of God's promise is not to a people who deserved it, but who didn't deserve it. And as we look at the message of Christmas and in this Advent season, we're going to see that the same thing is true. The promise. Did we deserve the promise? No. Did we get the promise because of God's grace? Yes. And so the question is, how are God's people shaped by his promise? And so here, here's what it is. And it's three things that we see in today's text, okay? So the first one is this, passing it down. Number two, waiting for it. And number three, joyfully receiving it. Passing it down, waiting for it, joyfully receiving it. So the first one is passing it down. Uh, look at Matthew 1, 16 through 17. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Now, the first thing I want us to see in this passage is, is this word Messiah, uh, the word in Greek is, is Christos. It means anointed. And so uh, we think about this. What, what does this mean? Well, the need for a Savior is all throughout the Old Testament. It was all throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. But clarity started to come to the promise of what this Savior would look like through prophets like Isaiah. And like we talked about, the people were sent into exile. There was a silence that happens between God and his people. But the way he spoke was that he was going to send a savior that didn't look like what they expected. He's going to send a humble servant. And as you dig deeper that this Messiah wasn't just going to come, wasn't just going to save them, but he's going to save them through dying for them, through weakness. Now, in using this term Messiah, Matthew is making this historical connection. He's making a historical connection to uh, King David, which we've talked about before. But he's also showing how Joseph is a part of this lineage, too, and how all of this stuff isn't random. It didn't just come together randomly, but there is an intentionality to it. See, how could all of this come together intentionally? Well, it's because God was behind it all. In the moments where people would have given up, God didn't. Do you see the grace in that? Do you see how God, when he speaks, he's honest, he's truthful, despite what we would have done, how we would have lived? Because if you dig deeper into the life of Abraham and you go through the line of people here, you would see brokenness. But God 
is faithful through it all. Charles Spurgeon once said, God writes with a pen that never blots, speaks with a tongue that never slips, acts with a hand that never fails. When we're waiting, and we're waiting on God, most of the time, what's our natural reaction? We think God must have made a mistake. God, why isn't the package here yet? What, what's going on? Right? Just like my kids waiting on an Amazon package, we too are waiting for God, saying, God, where is it? What's happening? See, as God is working through history here and the generations of people, because we have to look at that and say, okay, there's a Messiah, but there was generations that they were waiting for all of this to happen. How did God choose to hand down this message that there was going to be a Messiah? Well, he's handing his promise to broken people. See, God's promise was true despite the brokenness of the people in which it came through. Look at the hands of the people who passed down God's promise. They were all people who needed grace. Jesus' lineage is sheer grace. Sam Alberry said, Matthew's genealogy includes the outcast, scandalous, and foreigner. The family Jesus comes from anticipates the family he has come for. Anticipates the family in which he has come for. Do you feel like you're a failure? Like, man, I, I, I don't have this all together. Like at the end of a year where it's just been so crazy, like I, 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 I don't feel like I, I've got it all together. I do. As a parent at times, I feel like, man, what, you know, what am I passing down? Am I passing down a lineage of faith to my kids? Because at the end of the day, it's not just me living through a title of a pastor, but somebody that lives through the, 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 the lens of being a child of God. I'm a child of God. And how am I passing that on to my kids? What we're seeing here is that there was a, a lineage that was passing down this promise that God was going to come. And so this Christmas, let me ask, do you feel unlovely? God's promise says you were loved. Do you feel unredeemable? God's promise says you were redeemable. Do you feel like you've gone too far? God's promise says you were brought near. See, this is the message of Christmas. This is why Jesus came. So I want this to be clear for us today. Again, if you feel like or you think like this isn't for me, I want to encourage you today it is. Because again, look at Jesus' genealogy. Now, let's get to uh, the next part. Uh, it's waiting for it, right? It's waiting for it. And so the first part was it's, they were passing it down, broken people, yet waiting for it. Okay, so look at Luke 2, 25 through 26. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And, his, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, 
as we've talked about, there's this promise that's being uh, passed down. But uh, specifically, Simeon gets this word from God that he's going to be able to see the Lord's Christ. This is where the promise gets fleshed out for him. Now, the name Simeon means uh, God has heard. God has heard. Or uh, to be heard. Now, this is important because he's been waiting for this promise, it looks like, for a long time. He's in his older age. He's about to die. And here's what it says about his character. It says that he was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, living life, here's the thing I know, especially in our culture. How do you know somebody's character? How do you know somebody's uh, devoutness or steadfastness to something? It's waiting. It's waiting. Here's the thing where I know that my character needs help, and I ask God for patience. When I'm driving, right? When I'm driving, when I'm sitting at a stoplight or, you know, when you're sitting in line at Chick-fil-A and you're like, okay, like this is way too, like you are just waiting. But here's the thing. Waiting reveals the character of the person. You want to uncover some of the stuff that's going on in your life? How, How well are you waiting right now? Because what it says about Simeon is that he's been waiting for something that's better than any Chick-fil-A sandwich, anything that we could be waiting for that we are anticipating. He was waiting for something much greater, much better. He was waiting for it, and it says that he was righteous and devout. It means he didn't give up. Here's the thing. For Simeon, he, how did he hear from God? Well, he knew God's word. How did he know that there was going to be a Messiah that was coming? He was in God's word. How does God speak to us through his word? It says that he was devout, coming again and again and again, back to it, waiting for it. One commentator says Simeon, like Zechariah and Mary, is expectant that God will deliver Israel. He has not given up believing that God will complete his promise. And his living in light of that hope brings perspective to the present. Do you hear that last part? His waiting brings perspective to the present. Brings perspective to the present. When, when is my perspective off? It's usually when I, I, I'm not seeing what's, what, what, what's going to happen, right? What, what's the greater goal? What's the greater good? When my perspective is off, the present is really off for me. But when my perspective is on what the actual goal is, that's where it's, it needs to be, right? That's where it's, it's fixed upon where, where it needs to be. And, and in that process, what happens? It starts to shape you. It starts to make you a new person. Did, did Simeon just become one day a, a, a righteous, devout person? No, it, it was through God that God made him righteous and devout. 
right? And so for us, for you and me, we're not finished products. We're not finished products. But God is at work in our lives in new and different ways. Lastly, it's this, joyfully receiving it. Look at verses uh, in Luke 2, 27 through 32. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now, ultimately, as Simeon is waiting and he's anticipating and he's, he's looking, he, he sees Jesus and he sees the promise. See, what's God's promise? Is it just an idea or a belief? No, it's himself. It's himself. What's the gift? God says, I'm giving you myself. And so when Simeon sees that, that the, the Messiah is there, the Messiah is here, that the light is there, he, he says, this is it. My eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples. See, ultimately it was himself. One theologian says about this, Jesus is not just the beginning of the New Testament, but also the fitting climax of the old. Jesus came into our world as a man to embody grace. To embody grace. Right? So again, when it talks about our hope that we have in Jesus, it talks about a living hope. That we have a living hope. It's not just an idea of hope, but it's a living hope that we have in Christ. And so how did Simeon respond? He responded with joy. <laughs> he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Right? It, it, it just brings about this joy in his life. He says, now I can depart in peace. And so as we think about Simeon and his response, Grace was not just an idea, but it was a reality that enters in his life, and he sees it in the person of Jesus. And so if we were to push everything away right now, of this season, of what's coming up, of all the, the to-do lists of things that you have on your plate, if you were to push all that aside, do you see Jesus? And, and is that what's giving you peace in your weariness? Is that what's bringing you joy when you don't feel so joyful? You know, if you were just to push everything away, and as we look at the response of Simeon, who had waited his whole life to this point to say, you know what, I'm ready to die now because I've seen him. Can we push everything away and say that that's what matters most? So just some takeaways. How can we apply God's promise to our lives? Well, let's ask these things. Um, the first one is this. 
Am I passing down God's promises or my brokenness in my life? Here's the thing that's greater than me (laughs) is God's promises in my life. See, what are the things that I, I try to pass down to, to my family, to my kids, to, to, to people that I, like, what is it that I, that I try to pass down? Because we live in, a, a, in an age where we say, well, you gotta, you gotta pass down your legacy. What's gonna be your legacy? What are you gonna leave people with? Right, like, that, that's what we're told in our generation. Like, like, how are people gonna remember you? As we look through the genealogy of Jesus, I can guarantee you these people aren't worried about what they're leaving and their legacy other than what God has done. Because now they've seen God face to face and say, that's what matters most. That's what matters most. And so for me, like, as I, as I start to live and eventually think about, okay, I'm not going to be here forever. What is the thing that I want to pass down to, to, to people that I know, the things that I know? Like, is it God's promises? Is it what God can do in your life? Is it that God can take a kid who wasn't in church, who was on a, a very dark path, rescue him spiritually out of the gutter, lift him up and say, this is what your purpose is in life, and get me to the place that I am in my life. It's only God. It's only God. And so passing on God's word and what he can do is more important than than passing on my brokenness. And so what are we passing down as we think about the genealogy of Jesus. Because the most important thing that they passed down was this promise that we hold on to today. The second one is this. Am I more focused on what I'm asking of God or what God is asking of me? Here's the thing. As we think about what... Mary and Joseph were asking of God. Like, is that, as we think about Zechariah, as we think about the story of Jesus, as we think about all of these things, there are people that were asking things of God, but in many ways are insufficient. And I was reading this book this week, passed on by a friend from the church here. It's called The Advent Overture. Um, It's by a guy named Stuart McAlpine. And he makes the point that the birth narrative of Jesus is about two things. He says it's about what God asks of his people and what his people ask of him. And in this, this was a, a really good insight that I, I was impacted by. He says, if our spiritual blessings were premised only on our asking of God, some of us would not very, be very blessed at all. The grace of God, precisely because it is not about our merits, seems to give and give and give again, sustaining and providing, blessing and protecting, providing and supporting so far beyond the projection of our asking and absolutely beyond our deserving. This is first a story about what God asks of people, of a young Mary, an unknown Joseph, a rustic Zechariah, and a disappointed Elizabeth. Faith 
was asked of the wise men. Trust was asked of the shepherds. Patience was asked of Simeon and Anna. We should be undone and humbled by the asking of God of us, by the divine invitation that would come to us and ask us, unfitted as we are, to participate in his plans, to be partners in his ventures, to be co-workers in his mission. Friends, the invitation of God to be a part of what he's doing. I was sitting with some of the kids in our church this morning. Uh, they come and help out in the mornings. And a couple of my kids and then uh, Simona and Zeke, uh, A and Janie's kids. And they've grown up in this church. They have grown up in this church. They were there at the first service in our backyard. <laughs> And Zeke looked at me this morning. How old is Zeke? Eight years old. Zeke looked at me, he says, he said, Pastor Randall, he called me Uncle Randall. He says, Uncle Randall, he said, um, Grace City, if you guys didn't come, like, we wouldn't be here. And I looked at it, and I was like, it was kind of weird because I, was, I don't think about it like that. But, but for him, he was like, that, that's a reality. Like, okay, if, if you didn't obey this thing, then it wouldn't be here. But I got to tell him, I said, hey, it was actually God. Because I didn't feel equipped at all to do any of this. I felt completely insufficient. And so, Zeke, the reason we're here is because of God. And God did it. And so I want you to look around and see that God is doing something and can do something beyond yourself. Because for me, when I look at this invitation of grace, right, I have to ask, okay, what are the things that I've asked for that were completely insufficient, but yet God provided abundantly beyond what I could have done or what I could have asked for? And his grace was so much better. See, for you, what does that look like? Because at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. God wants to do something more than even what you could ask or imagine. Last one is this. Am I trusting God for something that will outlive me? Am I trusting God for something that will outlive me? Friends, being a pastor... I'm there at the birth. I've done enough funerals to know that this doesn't last. It doesn't. But to know that there is something that will last and outlive me and outlive all of us is what we're talking about here in passing this, this lineage on of Jesus. See, it's being shaped by him and passing that on that's going to make a difference long term. See, for me and my wife, I remember going to the doctor and them saying, it's going to be really hard for you to have kids. It might nearly be impossible. And I remember praying to God and saying, God, if you want me to be a dad, then I'll be a dad. If not, then I won't. But whatever it is, I want to obey you. And I remember Mother's Day 2009, my wife coming to me and said we were pregnant with, with our son. 
And knowing that it was, a, it was a complete impossibility, nearly, for us. And I remember holding him in my arms with great joy, but also with great wonder of just, wow, God, that you would allow this. And the fact of God coming in the form of a child and, and, and feeling like, you know, it, it was like a near impossibility. The fact that could God love me? Could God love me? And the grace that he offers and says, yes, Simeon holding God in his hands. Jesus. In Isaiah 9, Two through three, which he'd probably memorized going through his mind, saying, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who have dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. You they rejoice before you as with joy in the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Do you see what he says? Do you remember what he says? He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. Do you see what he's saying here? Through Jesus. Yes, we, we walked in darkness. We dwelt in the land of deep darkness. But on them the light has shone. You've multiplied the nation. That little nation that you thought it was just about Israel is actually much broader family than what we, we would ever have seen. He says it's the Gentiles are included too. It's the whole world. And if you think that you're outside of this, if you think you're outside of this light that can shine into your life, and the grace that makes maybe people have said, that's, that's impossible. That could never happen. But God says, yes, it can. Jesus comes in. And when Jesus comes into your life, that's when you're going to find the true joy, the joy that lasts forever, because it's, it's God with us. God with us. God came to be with us. And that his presence could shape you and change you for eternity. And so let's pray. God, I thank you that you invited us in. We, we, for many of us, we, we feel like the darkness and the weariness of this world. And maybe that's all we know. But I pray that today, when, when we see the possibility of your grace coming in, And something that seems so impossible, something that, that felt so out there for Simeon, he, he held on to it for so long. And he said, Lord, are you going to come? And, and you gave him a promise. You said, I'm going to come. And you let him see. Lord, may we see today what you've done. May we see that the grace of God is sufficient for us and that we didn't deserve it, but that you've met us in this place and you came. And it's true. So help us, Lord, to see that today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. 
If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.